So God is just the best gift giver, isn't he? He knows exactly what we need. If we could just receive it from him, right? God knows exactly what we need. He knows exactly what we want. Are you guys good gift givers at Christmas? I'm getting a little bit better. Is your Christmas shopping finished? So have you ever received a gift that you didn't need and you didn't want? Do that re-gifting thing. You just like repackage it and it shows up at the next Christmas party. I got a gift when I was right here in Shillington. Are we in Shillington or is this Moton? What is this? Shillington. 19607. Yeah. So I, I lived over on, um, grew up in a house on Lester Avenue in the old part of Shillington. And when I was a little girl, as, as early as I can remember, all I wanted for Christmas was a little black pony. Okay, just a horse in Shillington, right? And I was going to put my horse on the back porch on State Street. I knew this would be perfectly fine. I was going to keep it. I had heard about these things called box stalls. So I figured I could get a big box and put my pony in the box. And my dad could maybe bring it home with a U-Haul trailer. And it was going to be fine. There are lots of ponies in Shillington, right? So I asked Santa Claus for a pony when I was maybe four five years old. I was so excited. I ran downstairs. I'm ready for my little black pony. No black pony. Open up the stocking, and there's a little gold horse pin, which I have to this day. I should have worn it for the occasion. Little gold horse pin. And there's my mother saying, there, Jeannie, there's your horse. <laughs> and I'm like, what the heck? Cannot ride this, okay? And then the next gift was even worse. It was a cowgirl suit with white patent leather boots. No lie. I still have the belt. And I'm thinking to myself, first of all, when I chose my cowboy suit out of the Sears catalog, y'all didn't see the one I circled, you know, with the, the chaps and everything. No, I get the cowgirl suit with the skirt. How am I supposed to ride a horse in a skirt? and white patent leather boots. It was very disappointing and traumatic. But that's okay because the end of the story is now so many years later, I actually have a beautiful black horse named Lacey, who's the horse of my dreams. It just took about 50 years to get it, but that's okay. <laughs> it's all right. So um, we may not receive everything that we want from our loved ones on Christmas morning, but God knows exactly what we need in our hearts, right? But we have to make room in our hearts to receive, not the stuff, but to receive him. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, says, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place when Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son, 
and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. No room. Was this an accident? Do you think that God messed up the travel plans? Was he surprised that there was no room in dignified places for his own son to be born? Like he's up there in heaven saying, oh, no, I didn't book in advance. Now what am I going to do? It was not an accident. This was not God's plan B. And Joseph and Mary, listen, were not late to the plan of God, though they thought they may have been. You see, they had to get to Bethlehem at just the right time. And so there's this census ordered by a Roman emperor. The Lord can use even the secular affairs of government to bring about his kingdom. Isn't that amazing? The census just happens to be ordered at this exact time. And the journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem was a little bit longer than just a few days. It was actually about 700 years from the time that Isaiah had foretold unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Notice that he declares the plan of God in the present tense, even though it would take 700 years for that plan to be seen by men. He's Always in the present tense, his plan is in the making at just the right time and just the right place. It will appear. This timing really encourages me. Has anyone ever felt behind? Maybe in your spiritual walk, oh, I should be so much more mature by now. I should be so further ahead in my faith. But maybe we're right where we need to be even though we may look a little different than the religious people around us who seem like they have it all together. Well, Mary and Joseph did not have it all together, and I can just imagine that because she was pregnant, their journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem, which wasn't terribly far, but it may have taken a little bit longer because she was very pregnant. And can you picture the discussion between this engaged couple when they arrived that day. Joseph, I told you you should have gone on hot wire and booked this in advance. Did I not tell you? Priceline, hello. We get there, there's no room. Where am I supposed to have this baby? In a barn? And God is saying, why, yes, yes. You're going to have this baby in a barn. And a barn, a stable, is my mercy to you. Do you know that I could have asked you to have this child out in the field, in the stars, but I'm going to give you shelter in a stable. And why a stable? A stable was mercy. You see, God's son could not be born. He is never born in any place where there is unbelieving flesh. Isn't that amazing? How many times have I read this story? You know, the Luke chapter 2. We've all heard it a million times. I never saw until this week. Why a barn? Why a stable? Because holiness and flesh cannot coexist. Holiness and unbelief cannot coexist. And so where's the only place in town where there's no unbelieving flesh? Well, there can't be any people. Because wherever there's people, there's unbelieving flesh, right? And so the only place in town where there's no people is the stable. Animals 
Don't sin. The dirty stable was the cleanest place in town. The dirty stable was the holiest place in town. There was room for the Lord in the barn. It was the only place where there was room for the Lord. Not only that, but the stable is located in the town of Bethlehem, which means house of bread. Isn't it interesting that the bread of life, who can satisfy the hunger of the whole human race, is laid in a feeding trough for animals. Is it an accident? I don't think so. And nobody even noticed that townspeople were so distracted with the things of this world that they didn't even notice the things of the next, the glory of heaven when it appeared. Mankind did not yet have room to receive God. Do you have room to receive the Lord? You see, to receive a gift, we have to have open hands to hold it. If I give you a gift to hold on to, if your hands are full, you can't take it, right? You can't receive it. Sometimes we have so much stuff in our hands, in our hearts, in our lives, that we can't receive everything that God's prepared for us in his love. Stuff like busyness, anybody guilty? Me, me. Ambition, materialism, worry, regret, bitterness, unbelief, idolatry. What is idolatry? Loving anything or anyone else more then we love God. Do you see yourself in any of those words? Are our hearts open? Are they prepared? Are they ready to receive the Lord? Or do we need to let go of a few things today? Sometimes we don't have room for God because we're simply not hungry enough for the bread of life. We're so busy trying to fill ourselves up make ourselves happy, distracting ourselves from our pain, that we miss the healing, freedom, and blessing that God has already provided. Did you know that hunger, hunger is a wonderful thing? I, I feel like this is why Jesus talked about, um, the when he talked about how difficult it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven is because when we become rich in the things of this life, it dulls our senses to the things of heaven. We're not as hungry when we're comfortable. Do you know I have four children and eight grandchildren or something like that. My kids keep procreating and I can't, yeah. It gets very confusing sometimes keeping them all straight. It's wonderful. But you know what my prayer for my children is every day? Kids, if you're watching, I'm sorry, but you know, I'm your mother. I love you. Every day I say, God, make them uncomfortable. Come on, shake them up. Get them out of their comfort zone. Don't give them always what they're asking for. Make them hungry for you. And they just love me for it, Hunger is a wonderful thing. We don't want to get satisfied with ourselves and miss out on something supernatural that God has for our lives. We need to be hungry for him. That's why years later, after Jesus was born, his cousin, John the Baptist, 
was preparing the way for his message. And he preaches this message of repentance that people would humble their hearts, get hungry, and be able to receive the gift that was coming. John chapter 1, verse 1 through 4 says, The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Repentance. This is how we make room for the Lord not by throwing a big party, not by making ourselves look better for him, but admitting that we need him and that we need more of him and inviting him to come into our lives just the way we are. Interestingly, the visitors that God counted worthy to be present after Jesus' birth were not those who looked like they had it all together, but rather shepherds who were the social outcasts of the day. The Mishnah, which is Judaism's written record of the oral law, describes shepherds as incompetent, untrustworthy. Another passage says no one should ever feel obligated to rescue a shepherd who's fallen into a pit. They're worthless. They were deprived of all civil rights, and their testimony was not admissible in court. And these are the low life that the Lord chooses to reveal his glory to first. What was their qualification for receiving the gift of God's love? Not achievement, not good works, not riches, but faith and the knowledge that they were nothing without God. The shepherds had room in their hearts for the Lord. I also learned recently that the manger that Jesus was laid in, probably, I'm not a historian and we weren't there, okay? So if I'm wrong, God, you know. What I'm reading recently is that the manger probably did not look like the one behind me that we have in our Christmas pageants. You see, the stable itself was most likely a sort of a cave, carved out of stone or created out of stone on the outskirts of town. And those feeding troughs for the animals were carved out of stone as well, sometimes actually carved out of the wall of the cave. So there in a cave of stone, Jesus was laid, wrapped in linen cloths. Exactly the way he would be laid in his stone tomb 33 years later. Does that just not make your heart skip a beat? Oh. The location of the stable was important too. The sheep in the fields nearby were not just any sheep. These lambs were being raised for sacrifice in the temple in Jerusalem, just five and a half miles away. And right there amidst the sheep, the Lamb of God, who would take away the sins of the world, your sin, my sin, our sin, so the Lord could be born in us. And now by faith, we all get to receive the fullness of God's love and everything he is, our healer, 
our deliverer, our savior. He is our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting father, our prince of peace, the best gift that we could ever receive. So how do we make room to receive this magnificent gift? And I just want to add um, a little explanation of this, this receiving of Christ, this thing that we call salvation is not just your golden ticket to heaven. This magnificent salvation is everything that you need on earth as well. The Lord calls it sozo. Full salvation, it's healing, it's wholeness, it's restoration, it's freedom, it's fullness, it's peace, it's joy, it's getting to carry the Lord's presence with us everywhere we go. It's getting to become not only one who eats the bread of heaven, but one who carries the bread of heaven and feeds the world around us. It's an amazing miracle where we can become that little manger carrying his presence. So how do we do that? By following Jesus' example and dying to ourselves that he could truly live in us. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. You see this picture of this, this cave, this cold, dark place really of death and life is born there. And so when we have the humility to admit that we are like that cave. We're nothing without him. There's no life. Like, I cannot make it happen. There's no resurrection in me without him. Then his spirit can fill me, heal me, deliver me, enable me to be full of his presence and his joy and his peace, and then allow me to pour it out to those around us. And so my question is, is there any place in me that's not fully dead yet or fully surrendered to the Lord? Do I have room in my heart for everything that God wants to do in me? Or like the townspeople of Bethlehem, am I too distracted with my own plans, my own desires to see him, hear him, and notice him? Do I look to the Lord? to satisfy my heart, or am I turning to things like relationships, busyness, accomplishments to make me feel significant? Am I holding on to sin or idols, things that I cherish that, that, that are hurting me? Am I holding on to bitterness, grudges, or grief? Friends, we need to get hungry. And I just, I know Christmas is coming and, you know, we're all thinking about meals and family gatherings and gifts. But I just want to say, can we take just the next few minutes and just do a little spiritual house cleaning? Some of us, all of us, need to be made more like the little stable in Bethlehem. There's so much more that God has for us if we'll be ready to receive it. For me, COVID was a time of great spiritual house cleaning, and I did not like it. I was kicking and screaming because everything I did that gave me a sense of worth and identity and value and even provision 
was suddenly taken away. Like in a day, it was gone. Like this is what I do. Like I speak and I sing and, and I, you know, I get to use my gifts and feel important, right? Now I've got my little web calendar and, you know, keeping up appearances. And, and one day all of that is gone. And I'm like, now what do I do? What do I do? And God says, hey, why don't you get in your prayer closet with me? Take off the, the trappings of your identity, of what you do to earn my approval. Why don't you just take that off and sit for a while at my feet and learn what it feels like to just be my beloved daughter, just loved of God. Take a year or maybe two and just learn what that means. What would it feel like to just find my identity completely in him and have all that flesh stripped away? And it wasn't fun. I didn't, I didn't enjoy it at all. But it was so, so good. And the Lord did a lot of healing in my heart, gave me even more freedom than I had before, showed me things that I hadn't dealt with in my past that I thought I had, showed me people I needed to forgive, showed me places in my life where I needed to forgive myself. He exposed sin in my life. Ooh, sin. Oh, we don't like that. Mm. Let's just go back on social media again and distract ourselves. We don't like that word. We don't want to be distracted. We don't want to feel pain. And in this society, it's so easy to keep ourselves distracted, isn't it? Mm. There's so many ways to numb ourselves so that we don't feel hungry anymore. Ooh. Am I poking some needles in any hearts right now? I'm poking needles in my own heart because the Lord really got a hold of me with this message and just showed me places in my heart that were not fully surrendered because I was too comfortable and gave me the courage to start stripping that away and saying, okay, do I have the courage to come before his presence and invite him to show me any place in me that doesn't look like him? Do I have the courage to say, Lord, where is it that I need to have room made in my heart for more of you? And of course, um, many of you know my story which I'm not gonna tell the whole testimony today, but it was in my greatest moment of brokenness where I was very depressed and feeling sorry for myself, lying on a bed in the middle of the day with my four kids running around the house. It was in that very desperate moment that I cried out to God from Psalm 116, verse four, the words just, oh God, save me. In that moment of great darkness, the Lord um, did amazing miracles in my life and brought my life back up from the dead and put me on the track to my destiny. Really, he met me there in this dark place. And so we don't need to be afraid of those dark places, even though we don't like them. And the most wonderful part is that when we're willing to do that and get real with God, say, what do I need to get rid of so that I can carry more of you? Then we become living Houses of bread, walking and talking Bethlehems, going all over the earth, offering what we've received to other people. I love bread. Any other bread lovers? I mean, it's too bad it's not that healthy. At least our bread isn't. 
I love it. Is there anything more delicious than the scent of freshly baked bread? Bread in the oven. Oh, mm, I can smell it now. This is the scent that we're supposed to be carrying to the world. It's the scent of Jesus. It should be so, forgive the word, intoxicating, so enticing, so inviting that people are just clamoring to find out what it is that you have because they want a taste of the gift that you have received. I've seen this happen so many times in my ministry, but my, um, one of the, my favorite stories about this is, um, oh, there are so many I want to tell you of me just walking and talking and traveling on trains and airplanes and having the fragrance of Christ change the atmosphere around me. But I want to just share a, a story about an encounter I had with a lady, a prostitute in the city of Manchester, England. Now it was many years ago. And I had gone out there. We were offering physical bread to these ladies, some of them no older than 13, 14 years old, walking the streets, doing something that no human being sh should ever have to do so that they could receive physical bread. And so we're out there on a street corner with um, coffee and sandwiches, just giving them a bite of physical nourishment and refreshment. And um, the Lord had shown me the face of a woman in prayer before we went out on that street corner. I saw a lady who had blonde hair uh, tied back against the back of her head, and I could see the color of her clothes. And so we were sitting out there in that street corner, and all of a sudden I saw her, this woman that I'd seen in my spirit. She was across the street, and I couldn't get close to her, so I just yelled out across the street. I said, hey, the prostitute. And didn't say that, but like, hi. And I just get, got her to look at me, and I said, hello. You are so beautiful. And so this woman, now I've got her attention. She looks across the street at me and in lower class British. She says, no, I'm not. And I said, yes, you are. And she says, no, I'm not. And then she comes across the street. And we get into this discussion about God and heaven and hell. And I said, you know that God's brought me from the United States today. I had just gotten off the plane that morning. He's brought me all this way to find you and to tell you that he thinks you're absolutely beautiful. You're so precious to him. Well, she didn't really believe my words. She'd seen so much evil in her life and she'd never experienced love before. She had no makeup on. Half of her face was bruised. And uh, she pulled up her skirt at one point and showed me the scar from a stab wound that went all the way through her leg. She said, I used to believe in God, but I don't anymore. So what am I going to do? Preach to her about how Jesus loves you? She doesn't know. She doesn't understand. She's never experienced love but I was a walking and talking house of bread. And the fragrance of love was on me. And I said, do you mind if I pray for you? And she said, all right. So I put my hand on this lady. 
And I said, oh, Lord, just thank you that you showed me this precious woman's face. And thank you, Lord, that you've chosen her, you've called her. Thank you, Lord, that you adore her and that you love her and that you have a plan for her life. Lord, would you reveal your love to her? And tears started streaming down her face. And when I said amen and took my hand away, she said, don't stop touching me, God is in your hands. I can't explain it, but he's in me and I carry him. And so if I'm obedient and just follow, he'll take me where he wants me to go so that he can feed someone else through me. But for us to be able to give that gift away, we fully have to receive it. So I wanna close today by saying, God knows what gift you really need. Christmas and it's not a pony <laughs> bummer he has healing for the brokenhearted he has liberty for the captives he has comfort for all who mourn he wants to give you beauty for ashes the oil of joy for your mourning the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, what do you need to let go of today so that you can make room for the king to be born? And for some of us, um, it might be one of the things that you heard me list today. You know that you're carrying something in your heart that God wants to set you free from today. It's, it's been a burden. It's been a weight. It might be grief from something that hurt you a long time ago. And grief is right for a time. But there are times when grief can cripple us and keep us bound. There are some here today that are struggling with addiction. And, and maybe you've turned to a substance or a person, a relationship, a lifestyle. I don't know what it is. You've turned to something else to try to fill that hunger in your heart. And now you can't get free of that thing that's controlling your life. And I want to just tell you that the gift of freedom is here for you today because, not because I'm here, but because he is. He's here. This is it. We are the stable. He's here. He's here. He's here. And if you are willing, he can touch you with his love. He can set you free. He can set you on that path to freedom. Maybe it's bitterness and unforgiveness that's kept you bound for a time and stolen your joy. Oh, that's a big one. The Lord wants to set you free from any wrong judgmental attitudes, any critical spirit. What is it in your heart that the Lord's highlighting right now that he wants you to lay down? There's someone here today that needs to lay down a sinful relationship that you've been in. You know it's wrong. God will give you the courage to walk away and he promises you that he has something better for you if you'll trust him. There are others today that have not fully surrendered their hearts and their lives. They haven't really become that living manger, that place of death. Um, it's been about your way. And God says, I want you to lay down your will today, surrender your life and, so that I can give you a brand new life. Maybe you need a reset, a start over today. Maybe you need a new birth. So as we close, I just want to invite, um, the Lord just laid it on my heart to, 
to create space and invitation today for, um, I'm going to pray with you in your seats, but if this message is resonating with you and you want to be made into a place that can fully receive the love of God, I want to invite you to come forward. And if, if there's a prayer team here that uh, I know you've got some wonderful intercessors that want to join me at the front to pray for folks, that would be great. So let's pray together. And as I pray, if you need prayer to make room for the king, I invite you to come forward. This is your moment. You don't have to have another painful, difficult Christmas. You can have a joyful Christmas. You can have a peaceful Christmas. You can have a whole Christmas. You can have a forgiven Christmas. You can have a joyful Christmas. Receive it. Receive him today. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you that every good and perfect gift comes from you. Lord, forgive us for trying to fill our hearts with lesser things. Forgive us, Lord, for all the ways that we try to ease our own pain, all the ways that we try to make ourselves happy, all the ways that we try to distract ourselves. Forgive us, Lord. We receive that baptism of repentance that John the Baptist spoke of because we want to receive the fullness of your love, your freedom, your joy, your wholeness. Help us make room for you today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So if that was you and you would like to receive prayer, please come up to the front. Otherwise, have a very, very blessed and holy Christmas season. Thank you so much.